0: Canine Cast, number 23. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. Hey everybody, it's Walter. Hi, tonight we are going to be talking about a few different things, the first of which is Responsible Dog Ownership Day, which is coming up September 17th. Yay! Yay! The actual day is September 17th, but throughout the month of September, different communities will hold different events to celebra- to celebrate this day. It's sponsored by the American Kennel Club, and basically the point of it is to help promote responsible dog ownership to the, to the public, and it's all and it's also got a lot of fun events and things to see. So, you can actually go to the AKC website and we'll have the link up for you. For the actual page that you can go to and search to find an event in your area, so those are those are kind of fun. And some of the things that people do at these events are things like um, offer microchipping, which we've touched on before in the in this podcast. But basically, to catch up anybody who may not have heard those shows, you can implant a microchip, which is about the size of a grain of rice, into your animal. You. Probably will not do it yourself. It would most likely be a vet tech or a veterinarian, somebody of that nature. Um, Implants this little microchip in your dog, and then if they somehow get away from you, there is a national database that will hold your information so that somebody just needs to take your dog to a place where they have a microchip scanner. They scan the microchip and can then get the information from the database to contact you and let you know where your dog is. It's probably one, one of, if not the best ways, to make sure to keep ID on your dog at all times. Because, of course, we recommend that you keep a collar with an ID tag on your dog, but that can fall off and sometimes does, whereas the microchip won't fall off. It may migrate within your dog. It's supposed to be back behind their shoulder blades, but a lot of people will check different parts of the dog so that they can find it wherever it goes. So they, um, they tend to offer microchipping at some of these events as well as they'll have different information booths. Those may be for rescues in the area. It may be something, to kind of a meet the breeds where different people who are fanciers of different purebred dogs will bring their dogs. Tell you a little bit about that. And they like to have um, health information, be that A first aid program or health clinics where you may be able to get um, more inexpensive shots and those kinds of things. They like to have a a canine good citizen certification test, which basically what that is is that is uh, it's a it's a test. That shows that your dog has basically good manners to be a good citizen to get along with other people and animals in the community. It's a certification that the AKC will give you, and that's really helpful if you say um, are wanting, if you're say wanting to go somewhere, and maybe you're trying to rent a new apartment or a new house, or maybe you're trying to get into a hotel that under normal circumstances wouldn't allow a pet you may be able to kind of squeak your way by if you if you can use this canine citizen certification to kind of um convince them not now not that i'm saying that you should try to fly under the radar but that would be something that you would do up front in any case it's kind of a neat thing to have and it it shows that your dog has proven itself out out amongst other people that it is a well-mannered dog and that's something to be proud of So those are just a few things that they can do. Sometimes they'll do special things for kids, either programs to help kids learn how to be safe around dogs or maybe a contest like making posters or coloring contests, something like that, which are kind of neat to get the kids involved and teach them a little bit about being responsible owners as well. So go ahead and check out that link. It'll be in the Enhanced Podcast and also in our show notes so that you can find an event in your area and go check that out. Most of them will be this weekend, but again, they can happen throughout the month of September. So you have a couple of weekends left that those may be going on in your area. Alrighty. So now our next thing that we wanted to talk about was actually uh, an email from one of our listeners. And now that was from Charles Men. He writes in a question about pet insurance. He says, I have a quick question. We have two terves. um, Those are Belgian Tervurins. One agility dog and one hospital therapy dog. Especially in agility, injuries are always a concern. What are your feelings about pet insurance, also known as VPI? Well, my personal feelings about pet insurance, it, it kind of depends on your situation, whether or not it can be a good or a bad thing. Now, Consumer Reports basically, basically has said that it's not necessarily worth it, because the amount that you'll pay in premiums over the life of your dog may end up being more than you would spend actually taking care of your dog. Um, Even if they even if they have one or two rather big things go wrong with them, you may still end up spending more in the premium. So basically, what they said is that it's better if you can kind of discipline yourself to set up a savings account for your dog's medical needs, and instead of sending the premium to the company, just go ahead and put that premium into that savings account every every month, and then you have that that money for you whenever you need it. The other thing to look at if you are wanting pet insurance is that is that you want to really see what exactly is covered, because what what tends to happen is that say you have a large breed dog and they, and a lot of large breed dogs are prone to hip dysplasia. Well, that's something that can be very expensive to take care of if your dog should be affected by that. And that's something where the insurance would help out a lot. However, in a lot of the cases with the large breed dogs that are predisposed to that, they wouldn't necessarily cover it. So you kind of have to weigh and see what, you know, see what the insurance that you're interested in is offering and whether that makes sense to you. Now, of course, if um, you know, depending on how on how you are with your money and managing your money, it may make it a little bit easier to go ahead and you know pay that premium and know that they're there for something. If you, you know, if something does go wrong with your dog, if you do need the insurance, that it's there rather than rather than saving. It just depends on which works out for you. But um, but you. Like they said, you may end up spending a bit more if you decide to go with the pet insurance route. Another thing to keep in mind is that for most of them, what happens is you actually still, when you're using the pet insurance, say that um, you know, say that your dog breaks a leg. That's something that you know that can happen. Actually, actually, a little bit, a little bit easier than than you would think. So let's say that your dog goes in and it has a, a broken leg or a fracture. And what you would do is you would still have to pay the money up front, and then you would go ahead and submit your bill to make a claim to the insurance company, and then they would reimburse you. So do keep in mind that if you do decide to go with the pet insurance route, that you're still going to want to have um, money available so that you can go ahead and pay it at that time, or, you know, or work with your vet to see if, you know, they may let you go ahead and... Run a balance until such time as you're reimbursed. But, um, but in any case, that would depend on how your insurance works and how your vet works. But make sure to take a to take a look at that. Um, now, on on MSN Money, they had an article about this, and basically what they say is that your pet insurance will cost any, anywhere from about two to six thousand dollars over the life of your average pet. So that so that's the type of money that we're talking about. And they do they do point out that the chances are slim that you'd ever have to shell out that much for treatments. Of course, a lot of that depends on what on what goes on with your dog. If your dog develops cancer, one of one of the great things about veterinary science today, veterinary medicine, is that they can actually treat it in a number of ways. For example, one way is chemotherapy, but that can cost um, a few thousand dollars per treatment. So it just kind of depends what happens to your dog, um, which which is basically the deal with insurance. You kind of you know pay and hope no- and hope nothing happens. Um, that will be that will be that big, and then if something does, then it's there in case you need it. Um, it does say too that you know while chances are, you know, are are small that you'll be you know spending two to six thousand dollars for treatments for your pet on average. If you are the type of person who would do anything to save your pet, uh, you know, include, including spending thousands upon thousands in medical treatments, then pet insurance might be better than going into debt. If you you know if you're in the lucky situation where you you know where you can actually you know get you know where you have an emergency fund that you can use if something dire happens with your dog then that's great and that would probably be the best way to go if not then you know i would think walter that most of our listeners are probably the ones who would do whatever was needed to save their pet absolutely Uh, yeah i mean i know i know that i know that we that we would and we've taught you know and we've talked about that before amongst us that basically you know anything? Anything that happens with our animals, so long as it's something that can be made better, that can, um, that you know, that we're not just prolonging a, a painful life. Anything that can be, you know, treated in such a way that improvement is expected and their quality of life remains, then I mean, mo- money's not m- money's not um, the thing that That's would stop the least us. Least of our worries, that you know, like we would think about that second. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we may go into serious debt, but... Well, l- well, luckily with, um, with veterinary treatments, even though they, they do have all kinds of um, testing, they can do MRIs for dogs and CAT scans and all kinds of things that just a few years ago they didn't. So we're very lucky that they can do those. It does make... Those tests are more expensive than your normal veterinary treatments, but they are nowhere near the expense that it would be to get this done with a human. So so we are very lucky in that, that when you're talking about something, you know, an expensive treatment for a dog, you're probably talking about something costing a few thousand dollars, whereas, you know, um, something similar with a human might cost a few tens of thousands of dollars. So that's that's one thing that's that's kind of nice. If the veterinary treatments were as expensive as the the human treatments, then Vetina- Than the veterinary insurance, I'm sure it would be you know a much much more important thing to have in your life. But um, I, to give you an idea, though, of again what you'd be getting into with pet insurance, you want to really look at the caps that they put on how much they'll spend. Um, there, there's, there's one that I saw where the cap was something like thirty five thousand dollars for the life of the pet, which would be you know which would be a, a lot to spend on veterinary medicine. And that's, you know, that's no small pile of change at all. But you know, but on the other hand, you know, you want to keep in mind, well, if if you did need that, is that something that you would be able to that you would be able to get without going into too much debt? And it's basically it's basically um, just a balancing act. So um, some other some other things that they had in the that they had in this article is they they bring up that, um, you know, that tr- that treatments that would have been, you know, once fatal conditions for dogs, such as um, getting, well, in, in addition to chemotherapy, getting radiation therapy for cancer or getting tr- kidney transplants are available for pets now, but they the costs tend to range from one to $5,000 or more. So if you did get, you know, if you did get hit with one of those, then, you know, the insurance would pay for itself um, plus some as well. And that um, that also that also you know these expensive tools and procedures, you know they're great because they're able to save so many more pets than they used to be, but that because of that, vet costs have risen 73 percent in the past five years. So that, that is a lar- that is a large rise in the rates. So even though at this point they're saying that the pet insurance isn't ne- isn't necessarily for everybody, Keep an eye on that because at some point that may change. If the veterinary bills that you are looking at possibly seeing throughout the life of your pet continues to grow, then it may um, become something that's more important as it gets farther outside the ability of most people to pay out of their pocket. Um, However, if you are, if again, if you are worried about being able to pay out of your pocket, the other thing that you can do is you can take that premium and put it into a savings account just act like you're paying it to a pet insurance company anyway and if something happens you have that money there for when you need it um and that you know and that way you you know what you what you would want to do is you would you know hold on to it so that that way if you get more dogs as that money stays there and you haven't you haven't used it then you can go ahead and use it for your other pets as well whereas with the veterinary pet insurance you will basically have a policy for each pet and you'll have to see what the premiums are for the pets. Now some of them some of them may discount the premium for you if you insure multiple pets with them. So that's always something nice to keep in mind as well. But whatever the case is the best thing the best thing for you to do if you decide to not go with the pet insurance route is to go ahead and take whatever the premium would be for all of your pets. Put it into a savings account, and that way you have that to go ahead and pull out later on. Okay. Now, if you decide to go with um, with the pet insurance, what you're going to want to do is to shop around. There's a few different there's a few different insurance companies out there. Um, we will go ahead and we'll we'll go ahead and link to this money um, at MSN article so that you can see it. We'll also go ahead and link to the the different insurance companies. They have four listed here. So what you would want to do is check out each of them and see exactly what the the terms are, what the premiums are, what the deductibles, caps, so on and so forth are. They can vary widely between companies and also between different plans and companies. They'll normally have a lot of options for you. And what you want to do is don't just rely on your research on the Internet. Because a lot of the, um, I guess, fine print wouldn't necessarily be there. For example, um, things that wouldn't be covered in certain breeds may not actually be on there. So, in order to get the, in order to get the full picture, you would have to actually go ahead and talk to them and get a full quote and get a, you know, basically what the full policy would entail, so that you know exactly what's covered and under what circumstances, in order to make your decision. Um, of course, check with your state insurance department because you, you want to make sure they should be registered with your state regulators, um, same as any other insurance would be. Again, make sure that you understand what's excluded from the policy. Depending on your dog's breed, depending on your dog's age, depending on certain situations, things may be excluded that you wouldn't have thought of. So make sure that you know those before you go into it and decide which one you would want. Then on top of it, even if you do go with the pet pet insurance, it's still a good idea to go ahead and make a small, you know, a savings account for your animal, for your animals. Um, I guess the size of the savings account would depend on how many you have. Um, They said that, they said that, you know, consumer reports said that pet owners with insurance, again, actually tend to spend more of our time on their animals and those without it. However, keep in mind that you still are going to be having to, to do things like deductibles and so on and so forth. Even though doing the pet insurance and doing that small premium at a time may be easier for you than doing the savings um, for, for the entire thing, doing savings instead of pet insurance. Make sure that you have enough savings to cover your deductibles in case you do need to take in case you do need to take advantage of your insurance. And also make sure that you know what the caps are and put a little extra in there. So if you do reach your cap, you can continue with your dog's treatment. Then they also they also have in this article some other ways to keep your you know, pet costs low, which are which are kind of kind of helpful. But one of them that I wanted to highlight is it says don't cheap out on pet food. <laughs> it says an investment in better quality pet food can pay off in fewer health problems and. Um, they, they say particularly with cats, but that's but that's true of any animal. And another interesting little factoid that we've found is generally speaking, when you get the higher the higher quality pet foods, the ones with um, you know with more protein and more nutrients in them, yes, they're more expensive to buy. however, your dogs will eat less of them because there's a lot less roughage and extra stuff in there. And if you take if you take that into account, We've always fed our dogs the pre- premium dog food. I mean, you can o- you can only find it in specialty pet stores. But with but with that, we actually end up spending less because they eat they eat so much less than they would otherwise. So that's so that's a way to to keep your costs down a little bit on what you spend on food and then also on and your pet's health. Make sure, of course, that you don't overfeed them because it's it's so very easy to overfeed them, especially if you go just on what's printed on the bags, how much they say to feed them. Because dogs, you know, dogs like humans; they have their own their own different ranges of how much they can actually eat, and that has a lot to do with the amount of exercise that they get and their own metabolism and so on. So if you help, if you help, um, watch how your watch what your dog's weight is doing. Watch how that depends on the food that they're eating and how much of it they're eating. And go ahead and adjust accordingly so that your dog is at a healthy weight. That will also help to prolong their life. And you'll be spending a little bit less on on their food too than if they were um, overeating all the time. And just a tip on how to tell if your dog is at a good weight. If you're standing over them, looking at them, you should just barely be able to see Kind of where their ribs are in their body, where the rib cage ends. And when you pet them down the sides of their body, you should be able to to feel the ribs. You shouldn't be able to, you know, see them poking out or, or count them necessarily. But you should be able to kind of feel, you know, feel where they are. And there shouldn't be too, too much um, tissue between you and the rib. So if you have any questions as to how to figure out whether your pet is at a good weight or not, you know go ahead and consult with your veterinarian because it's again it's really really easy to accidentally overfeed your dog and you don't you don't even realize it until you until you take them to back to a veterinary visit and they've gained 10% of their body weight. So check on that, make sure to keep on top of that. And that's, that's basically my feelings on pet insurance Is It real? it really kind of depends on your situation. Um, Walter, Walter and I basically have opted to go with the savings account um, option ourselves. So that's, but that's just what works for us. Um, if you find a really good insurance deal that works for you, then that would, then that would be a good way to go as well. So we've been getting a lot of listener emails lately, and we're really, really enjoying them. And we love being able to share them with you guys. An email that we wanted to share with you all tonight was from Gretchen. Uh, She does the MommyCast at MommyCast.com. She is half of the team there. And she said, she says, hi, not sure if you are aware of this or not, but your listeners might be interested. And when we saw what she sent, we thought that you all definitely would be. And this is about PetSmart Charities and their support for the animals that were impacted by the hurricane. It says, as part of its grant-making, Pet Smart Charities provides emergency relief aid to assist pets in times of hurricane, fire, and other natural catastrophes. And they go on to talk about um, what they have done with the different catastrophes in 2004, but um, we'll have the link for you for that, and that will, that will take you... Um, to a page where it kind of tells you a little bit about what they're about. They have worked, they have thus far worked with groups with Katrina from multiple states um, and given out lots of money. Any any money that you send to them, they, they specifically state 100% of it goes towards helping out the different animal welfare organizations that are involved with this effort. So that so that's another charity. um, If for those of you who would like to get involved in helping the animals, and there there really really are a number of them on Petfinder.com. There's a page that lists many different animal welfare organizations that are all helping out, and they are continuing to help out. And it is you know it's still a very very big effort. Um, At this point, they have you know not only are they still gathering animals but they also have the ones that they've been holding on to for a while that they are continuing to shelter and feed and take care of a number of them they are finding foster homes for them or finding new homes altogether we actually know of somebody in this area who already has adopted a, a pet from the hurricane so um so that's that's going on fairly quickly afterwards So you know, please, please go ahead and if you if you are able to help out the animals. Now this week I actually came across um, I I was on a I was on a site that was basically a list for um, animal relief for Hurricane Katrina, and I saw a, a post on there which was very interesting. It was kind of a rant that this person sent in about basically saying you know there are so many people who are in such dire straits right now how can you how can you be focused on the animals when there are all these people who are in trouble and while while I understand what they were getting at I think they were kind of missing the point a bit um in that The helping the animals is, of course, about, you know, of course, about helping the animals, but it also is about helping people for a number of reasons. I mean, one of one of the big ones is as they've been trying to evacuate people from New Orleans, since they're still doing that, a lot of the people who are holding out. Um, as a matter of fact, the number, the top, one of the top three reasons why people are still holding out and refusing to leave is because they don't want to have to leave their animals behind and there's nowhere for them to go where they can bring their pets with them. Now, I mean, I think, I think that's, a ver- that's very, very telling that these, these people we've seen, the things that they are braving and they're doing it to be able to keep their animals safe or to at least be able to keep their animals with them Um, so that's, so that's a really big deal In helping out the animal welfare organizations. You're helping out these people because the, the animal disaster relief organizations are the ones who are able to take in these animals to say, okay, we will take care of them for you until you can take care of them on your own. And when these people have lost everything else and they are, you know, they're just doing what they can to survive that it's so much stress. It's such a difficult situation having somebody to be able to take care of their pet and know that their pet is okay and that they will see them afterwards it is is something that they real that they really really need i can't imagine the stress of 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 worrying about what's happening to your animal on top of everything else and and things things are really dire um, they they're worried about you know, d- diseases being spread by the animals that are still there, as well as the ones who have passed in these disasters, um, and and also you know the animal the animals are desperate as well. I mean, we've seen we've seen what's what's happened when you know when people get desperate and they're scared and they're just trying to survive. We, of course, in, you know, there are animals that are in the same conditions, and that can really amount to a dangerous situation. So. Please, please do as as I'm sure that many of you have already given of yourself to help the people for this. Um, th- those of you who haven't been involved, you know, yet with the animals, that's one more way that you can help—not only the animals but the people as well. So, thanks everybody for all of your involvement so far, and um, you know, we'll keep you posted as we hear any news going on about this. So, um, just a, a little update about the website. And we're happy to report that we have a brand new feature on our website. Walter has put together a list of the show archives that's right at the top of the website at CanineCast.com. So if you haven't been there yet, then I highly recommend that you check it out. There's a lot of other information on there for you as well and some interesting things to see. Um, The show archives basically list all of our prior 22 shows, and we'll continue to add shows to that as we continue to put out new episodes. So that's just a quick way for you to either go through the archives if you haven't listened to them already or to go ahead and go back and re-listen to one that you enjoyed a lot and wanted to check out again. So that comes pretty close to wrapping it up for tonight. We have some new listener dog pictures up. So um, if you go to caninecast.com, you can check those out there. Those are always a lot of fun. As I said before we 've been receiving lots of listener emails, which we so very, very much enjoy. so please continue sending those in to us. Um, we love getting stories that we can read on the air and share with other listeners as well as questions and comments that we that we like to address in the show as well so please you know continue continue to contact us. You can do that either through email or if you would like to leave us. Um, an audio comment or question or story, then we'd be happy to play those on the show as well. You can do that either through Skype or through our voicemail. The links for all of those, as well as the phone number, can be found on caninecast.com and also at the end of this podcast. So we look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, please remember, if you haven't already to spay or neuter your dog, it's the best thing that you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about Canine Cast, please leave us a voice message by calling 206-338-DOGS. That's 206-338-3647. Or post a comment on our website at CanineCast.com. That's the letter K, the number 9, cast.com.